0: Welcome to In Your Area. This COVID-19-based bonus episode revolves around a conversation between Nolan Mateus, CEO at Mortgage360, and Matthew Saeed Morley, a realtor at REMAX First. Nolan and Matt have spoken several times over the past few weeks about the mortgage deferral program recently introduced to homeowners due to COVID-19. Here, they take the time to break these details down for our listeners as well as to explain why interest rates are going down, but mortgage payments are not, and what else realtors need to know in order to support their clients when it comes to mortgages during this pandemic. We hope you enjoy. So I'm uh, Matthew Said Morley with uh, Remax First in Calgary, and I'm here with Nolan. Uh, Nolan Matthias with Mortgage 360. And uh, just have a couple questions to go over in regards to what, what's happening in the real estate world right now. So Nolan, what advice would you be giving buyers right now?
1: Uh, what advice would I be giving buyers? Well, you know, first and foremost, I, I think there's a few different situations that a buyer can be in at, at the moment. Uh, the first is, you know, they could be in the process of buying so they haven't written an offer yet. They could also be in their financing condition stage and they could also be In the stage where they've removed a financing condition and are leading up to closing. And I think all three of those buyers uh, warrant different advice. Uh, The first being, you know, buyers who haven't purchased yet, I think uh, most of them should realize that from a lending perspective, it's business as usual with a few little tweaks around uh, social distancing and whatnot. With respect to people who are in the financing condition period, you know, there's a little bit more uh, due diligence being done by some of the lenders. They're looking a little bit more at industry and you know, likelihood of being able to, to ultimately make the payments. And then as far as people who have weighed or who have waived their financing conditions already, most of the lenders are taking the same position on this. And that is that if they've waived financing conditions and employment's all been signed off and somebody gets temporarily laid off, then for the most part, they're going to treat the the approval as if it was as if the client had maintained a full-time job or if say for example somebody had gone through a maternity leave and had a temporary layoff due to maternity leave they're gonna treat it in the same light so for the most part buyers um, who are in the process who have weighed their financing condition already generally don't have to worry too much about whether or not there's going to be a mortgage at closing and I think if you look at the big banks and you look at the big lenders in Canada most of those lenders are taking the position that they're going to be helpers in this situation and that that they're going to do everything they possibly can to try to make the purchase process and the process of getting a mortgage a pretty much normal process even though we're obviously in crazy crazy times right now
0: yeah for sure what about people who are between condition removal and closing is there any specific advice that you would give or any recommendations in regards to um, how things look prior to their
1: closing Yeah, I think the best advice is this, Uh, be honest. Everybody wants to help in these sort of circumstances. And I think the worst thing somebody can do is not be upfront and honest with their lender or their mortgage broker about what's happening. Um, If there is, you know, a job loss or temporary layoff, the best thing to do is to get that information out towards the lender and, and get it, get it being worked on right away most lenders, most brokers want to see people be able to get their mortgage and, and follow through on the purchase that they made. And, um, and pretty much all the lenders are, are working with buyers in order to make that happen. I'm just looking at an email right now from, uh, from MCAP, for example, that, um, that is basically a whole bunch of rules around uh, income verification for pipeline applications. So for example, anything that was approved prior to March 25th by the insurer is pretty much an approved deal. Regardless of if somebody loses their job or is on a temporary layoff, they're still going to close the mortgage as long as it closes before September 30th. And then they've got some rules around uninsured mortgages. So in this case, for applications submitted on or before March 31st, where the income condition was accepted by the lender, you know, they're still going to close those on an ongoing basis as well. I'm going to put you on the spot here and just kind of ask, you know, what do you think
0: is the most concerning aspect um, for buyers that have purchased a property already that have, a, you know, a possession coming up, whether it's uh, the realtor or, or a buyer specifically, is there something that you would kind of um, that you would recommend as kind of at the top of the list for someone to prioritize in regards to um, any upcoming closings?
1: Oh, prioritize coming up to closings. Like, is
0: there, is there one piece of the puzzle that you feel is the most important that, uh, you know, someone has, a, you know, a possession upcoming and they're kind of in the limbo stage between removal of conditions and their actual closing date?
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing right now is get making sure that the down payment that they had the down payment funds is available. You know, employment issues are being taken care of by by the banks, but where I think there's a lot of risk for people who have their down payment sitting in, you know, TFSAs or RSPs or stocks and bonds right now is there's a risk of losing that those part, portions of those down payments on any given day by keeping them invested. So I would say, you know, liquidating down payment funds is probably the, the number one thing I would be recommending to most people right now, primarily because of that fact that employment is, is somewhat taken care of if they've already gotten approval.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, so not leaving things to the last minute in regards to, you know, some of the final pieces, final elements of their financing, um, you know, specifically maybe where their down payment funds are coming from. Exactly. Oh, that's great. I'll, I'll move on to the next question here. Um, what can you tell us
1: about the mortgage deferral process? So with respect to the deferral process, I, I think it's interesting. Every day feels like a week right now. And, you know, when this whole thing started, deferral would be something that you would apply for. And it was hit and miss on whether or not a lender would actually approve it. And then they got 200,000 phone calls in the first week. And now we're seeing the lenders basically treat deferrals as if they're given. Uh, we got an email from Scotia Bank here in the last day or so, uh, where they're basically saying that, you know, their deferral process is pretty much open to anybody, there's no questions asked, and they'll defer a principal residence plus up to three additional properties per customer. Now, each lender is different, Um, each lender can treat uh, each client on a case-by-case basis, and in some cases, you know, they're giving six months of deferral right away. Sometimes they're saying, okay, well, we'll give you a month, and then we need you to reapply uh, a month later. So, it really depends on your lender, and it depends on your specific situation. One thing that I would say for most clients and, and most borrowers is that, you know, deferral is something that's been around for a, a long time it's typically 4 months is the limit on it they've extended the limit to 6 months it's not something that's new but it's also not something that you want to take advantage of unless you absolutely have to you know thinking that it's going to be a 6 month um, mortgage vacation is not what it actually is you still have to pay the interest for the money that you've borrowed for those 6 months and then how you pay it back is typically they'll just add that interest to the top of the mortgage and then recalculate your payments. So there's a good chance that if you do take a deferral right now, six months down the road, your payment's actually going to increase.
0: That's interesting. So there's a, there's a lot of fine print, obviously in regards to how each lender is dealing with that
1: deferral that they're offering. Yeah. And you know, I think it's, it's like calling a cell phone company as well. I think there's a lot of times where you can pick up the phone, call a lender, get somebody on the phone, get an answer that you may not necessarily like, turn around, hang up the phone, pick it up again, call the same lender, get into the same call center and talk to somebody totally different and get a, get a completely different answer. So they're getting the information just as fast as we are, if not faster. And I think it's, uh, it's so fluid that, um, that the answers today might be different than the answers tomorrow and the lenders themselves don't know exactly what their fine print is on any given day. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Well, I mean, I guess on that note, you know, are there any ways to speed up the deferral process? I mean, with each lender having maybe a different process or having different guidelines, um, you know, are some lenders allowing, you know, online applications, you know, how does that all look like?
1: Yeah. So there's basically two ways to get a deferral right now. One is by phoning in and the other is by getting on to email or a digital messaging system with the lender. What we're finding is that clients who do both have the most success. A lot of clients who are phoning in spend, you know, three, four, five hours on the phone at any given time, and then sometimes they they get uh, their application taken and are told, you know, they'll be in touch three or four days later. Other times, there's clients that are going into the emails uh, systems that the lenders have created. Or the messaging systems that the lenders have created and are getting almost immediate responses there. But what we are finding a lot of success with is that doing both um, helps quite a bit because you get, a, you know, having more irons in the fire gets, creates more of a likelihood that you're going to get an answer. And then the big thing that we've noticed is clients who take the subject line or the very first line on the messaging systems that the banks have in place and put the words urgent and then their payment date. Tend to get pulled out of the out of the pot a little bit faster and the reason for that is quite simply that uh you know you've got humans sitting on the other side of those requests and when they're looking at you know a pile of um a pile of of deferral requests and they see one with urgent and all capital letters and then a payment date that's really close to today then you know they tend to do what most people would do and pull the ones that seem like they're uh, the neediest um, out of the pile, and you know, it's just like a, a nurse at a hospital right now. They're doing triage. They're trying to get to the clients who need the help the most first, um, and then everyone else is sort of set up in a lineup based on when and how much help they're going to need.
0: I think that's a great tip. What do you feel are the biggest repercussions, you know, for for the back end of of this deferral process? So, you know, potentially someone taking a lender up on that four or six month deferral you know, what, what do you feel is the the biggest repercussion, you know, on the other side of this?
1: Yeah. So there's a few things. Uh, First and foremost, these deferrals are something that have been around for a while. And in the past, if a lender has been able to see at renewal that a client has taken a deferral, uh, then they may not be so willing to allow the transfer of that mortgage to, to a different lender. So in other words, let's say clients comes up for renewal with RBC and, Um, and they want to transfer their mortgage to Scotiabank, but Scotiabank can see that, you know, the amortization or the amount owing isn't accurate. So they go and they start asking questions and they say, they, they see that there's been a deferral there. Well, typically, you know, Scotiabank in that scenario would say, well, we don't want this mortgage now because we can see that this client's taken a deferral in the past. It makes the client a little bit higher risk. I don't know if that's going to be the case two, three, four years down the road, for anybody taking a deferral right now, but it's something that could potentially come up. I'm gonna assume that lenders will use common sense down the road, but you never know. Uh, The other thing that we see as a potential ramification of this is, you know, what happens if the automated system that tells Equifax or TransUnion, the the credit bureau uh, reporting agencies, what if the automated system automatically populates Equifax and TransUnion saying, there was a missed payment or deferral here. Well, you know, what's what the lenders have said and, and what Equifax and TransUnion have said is taking a deferral right now won't affect your credit. But what if it makes it to their system and you have to go through all the effort of trying to get it corrected down the road? It could be uh, a bit of a hassle. Anybody who's tried to get something taken off their credit bureau knows how hard that can be. So, you know. This goes back to that. Don't take it unless you need to take it because there are potential ramifications that that come up down the road. And, you know, the third and the final one, I I think that is really important to note is that it isn't a free ride. If you take a deferral right now, you're going to probably end up with a bigger payment and you're definitely going to end up paying more for your mortgage over the life of it. Let's say you know, you take a deferral and you add $2,000 in interest to your principal balance. Well, that $2,000 in interest is probably going to end up costing you $4,000 over the life of your mortgage. And it ends up being something that's just adding to debt as opposed to doing something positive, which is trying to get rid of debt. Interesting.
0: So there's, there's definitely a, a lot of other elements, you know, that are, that are working in the background outside of just, you know, extending your mortgage, potentially having, you know, higher payments or, you know, owing an additional amount of interest, there's, there's definitely some, some potential risks. And I mean, it sounds like your recommendation is, you know, having a good conversation with the lender and understanding, you know, what the full picture looks like, as opposed to just taking it at face
1: value as just deferred payments. Totally. I mean, let me be clear, right. If, if somebody needs a deferral absolutely take a deferral. If you absolutely need it, can't make your payment, take the deferral. But if you can make it through, I would say that your mortgage is probably the thing that you want to, that you want to put off last. So in other words, if there's one thing that you're going to absolutely try to make your payment on, I'd have it be your mortgage and try to get the deferrals on other things uh, first. Good to know. That's great.
0: Let's continue over on to um, interest rates. So, so what's happening with interest rates right now?
1: Yeah, so a lot of confusion in the market. We're seeing this from clients on a daily basis, right? Because every every time we turn around, Bank of Canada is dropping the overnight key lending rate by 50 basis points, and we're down now to a key, a key lending rate of 0.25%, which is down 1.5% from three weeks ago. And what that does is it creates a scenario where people are assuming that all interest rates are going down, and that's not the case. If you have an existing variable rate mortgage, yeah, your interest rate probably dropped 1.5%. There's some confusion right now with, is every lender going to offer that full 1.5% prime discount? But for the most part, if you have a variable, you have benefited very well by having that variable rate mortgage over the last couple of weeks. But with fixed rates, you know, if you have a fixed rate mortgage right now, nothing changes. And if you're getting a fixed rate mortgage, they're actually becoming more expensive. And the reason for that is simple. Um, when you look at risk and pricing of mortgages, the higher the risk, the higher the price. And what we can say with certainty right now is that the mortgage market is is significantly more risky for a lender than it was two or three weeks ago. So as a result, what you're seeing is you're seeing the lenders price in that risk and basically create more expensive mortgages. So right now, I think if let me just pull it up on my email here you know, average five-year fixed insured mortgage is priced at 2.84. Two weeks ago, that would have been priced at 2.44. And the only difference is the amount of risk associated with those mortgages and the amount of demand um, because there was a little bit of a refinance boom for about a week there. Uh, Those are the only two things that really warrant those interest rates increasing. The other thing that we've also noticed is that discounts on variable rate mortgages are going away as well. Three weeks ago, you could get a prime minus 1.25%. Today, you'll be hard pressed to find a variable rate mortgage with a discount on it. Most of them are running around prime plus 2 or prime plus, or sorry, prime plus 0.2 or prime plus 0.1. So what would you
0: recommend for buyers that are currently in the marketplace right now and you know, have some uncertainty around interest rates. What's the best recommendation?
1: My recommendation for somebody who's in the buying process is definitely make sure that you have a rate hold in place. Uh, You can get a rate hold typically for up to 120 days. If you're building a property, uh, you can get them for longer than that, sometimes up to a year and a half. But I would get those rate holds in place so that you have your worst case scenario for what your interest rate is going to be. And you know that you've got about four months to to take advantage of those rate holds. Um, From there, I'd also make sure that that rate hold is with a lender that will actually give you an approval. So I would make sure that they've done an actual underwriting process on you. Uh, They've pulled your credit, they've checked your job letter and your pay stubs, basically having almost a full approval done. And this is for buyers who haven't written an offer, by the way. So basically making sure that you have a, a full approval done and that when time comes to write an offer, that that lender is actually going to be willing to say yes to you um, as opposed to you know having a 120-day rate hold with a lender who you know may not have looked at your job letter and pay stub yet and may not have actually pulled your credit. We see a lot of a lot of clients in times like this they'll go and they'll get a pre-approval from maybe a broker or a lender who doesn't do a full approval upfront or doesn't do upfront underwriting. And that's where they can get in trouble because, you know, something may be different on the job letter or the pay stub or in their financial documents than what was presented on the application. And then all of a sudden they're finding themselves in a situation where they can't actually get the mortgage that they've got the rate right hold for.
0: I think that's, that's really good information. Um, you also mentioned, uh, and you and I actually spoke about this the other day in regards to building a new home. You know, obviously in Alberta and Calgary, you know, a lot of buyers are taking advantage of, of building new homes and new communities. You know, the, the, there there's sometimes there's a concern that, um, you know, financing isn't completed because, you know, the property isn't actually built quite yet, you know, and um, with all the uncertainty in the world could be some some potential issues, um, you know, come the closing date. So. Is there any advice or pointers that you would give, you know, in that regard when you're building a new home?
1: Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up both for building a new home and for purchasing with an extended closing date. So three or four months out, making sure that uh, that the property is valued now and that the mortgage is completed now, as opposed to waiting two or three months down the road or 10 months down the road for a build uh, is important because what what tends to happen with builds is you know, a client will go in and get a pre-approval letter from their bank or from their broker and they'll take that to the builder and the builder will accept that as you know evidence that they've got the ability to qualify for the mortgage. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't get the, the actual property underwritten and what we like to do and, and what we pretty much do 100% of the time is instead we'll actually do a full underwriting process on that on that property we'll get the appraisal done the day, that, uh, the day that we get the approval. We'll get uh, the actual uh, floor plans and everything submitted off to the lender. And we'll make sure that the property is accepted by the lender on day one, instead of waiting until uh, 10 months down the road. And that's especially important because we don't know what's going to happen with values. I think we could make you know three cases. They could go up, they could go down and they could stay the same. But if they do end up going down, it's important to make sure that that property was valued at approval as opposed to being uh, valued near the closing date. Because if, it's, if the property value has gone down prior to closing, you may end up having a client who has to come up with additional down payment. And if they don't have that down payment, then they're finding themselves between a rock and a hard place.
0: For sure. And, and you know, I guess that leads me to, to a question. Uh, maybe you can expand a little bit. Um, you know, if the financing isn't completed now, as you mentioned, you know, that you highly recommend, um, you know, what what are the potential issues that can can occur, you know, should that financing not be in place uh, sooner than later?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario is they aren't able to buy the property and they lose their deposit. And even worse than that is they get sued for any losses because they weren't able to close. You know, the best case scenario is they if property values were to go down, they end up having to come up with more down payment and they're able to do it. But, you know, leaving things until the end, you had mentioned earlier, you know, doing things up front and, and not putting things off. I think in times like this, that couldn't be more important as making sure things are done up front and not put off till later so that you don't run into those, into those potential issues down the road. Yeah, for
0: sure. And, 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 um, You know, I think if I was to summarize a lot of the points that you made today was, um, you know, being diligent and, you know, securing um, the finer details in your financing, um, making sure your funds for your down payment are accessible uh, in the near future, as opposed to to waiting to your closing date, um, you know, is um, is highly recommended in times like these so that you have that extra security and knowledge that, you know, come the come the 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 possession date um, you'll be able to close on
1: the property exactly i mean for clients right now there's there's never been a time where it's more important to have a really amazing team to help them that includes the realtor that includes the lawyer the appraiser the home inspector and the mortgage broker or the banker and you know making sure that each member of that team is doing their job fully and not, for lack of a better word, being lazy or putting things off until the end is, is hugely, hugely important. And it's going to be the difference between you know clients being able to make it through on their transactions and having a big problem. I think yesterday, uh, Matt, you and I were talking about a project in Calgary in 2006 where a whole bunch of clients weren't able to close because the property values went down between when they wrote their offer and when they actually took possession and you know we had clients in that building who got mortgages without a problem because we had the appraisals done we had uh, the mortgage insurance approved you know in 2006 and in 2008 when it was supposed to close it just closed but there were a heck of a lot of clients that got mortgages elsewhere that uh, just had that pre-approval letter, just had a little bit of information and ended up without without a mortgage because the value no longer supported what they paid for it. I think that the number was in that particular building, like 30% of people couldn't close. Yeah, and unfortunately, it
0: seems that, you know, the, the, the unknown of the future, it's better for everyone to be diligent, um, you know, as opposed to have these surprises come um, you know, what should be, um, a really exciting time in their lives. Absolutely. Right on. Well, thanks, Nolan. I think that probably covers everything.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think, uh, I think we got quite a bit of information out there and, and hopefully the realtors who are listening to this and any consumers that are listening to it can, uh, can use it to guide their way through this uncertain time. For sure. Thanks man. Cheers.
0: Thank you to Nolan and Matt for their time. We hope you stay safe out there and we hope to see you the next time we are in your area.